This is the LexisNexis California Legal News Podcast. Litigation news stories from recent issues of LexisNexis Mealies. Current and targeted legal news and litigation reports. The California Supreme Court on August 30th found an insured homeowners association that signed an agreement releasing State Farm Fire and Casualty Company from all claims related to its Northridge earthquake claim and kept the $1.5 million settlement, cannot then sue State Farm for fraud without rescinding the release under California Civil Code. The State High Court reversed and remanded a lower court judgment against State Farm. Village Northridge Homeowners Association filed a claim with State Farm for damages sustained from the Northridge earthquake in January 1994. State Farm made payments on the claim, totaling approximately $2.1 million. A subsequent compromise resulted in the insurer agreeing to pay $1.5 million. The association signed an agreement releasing State Farm from all claims related to the association's earthquake claim. In 2000, the association requested that State Farm reopen the claim, but the insurance company declined. The association filed suit. The case went up and down the state court system a couple of times before the Supreme Court granted review. The high court concluded, quote, to allow Village Northridge to settle with State Farm and sign a release, keep the money, and then sue its insurer for alleged fraud without rescinding the release under our statutory scheme would violate the terms of the bargain and frustrate its purpose. It would also likely inhibit insurance companies' practice of using a release as a settlement device, end quote. The Second District California Court of Appeal in August held that a seller of stone paving being sued for providing defective materials for use in construction of a pool deck waived its right to arbitration by seeking to compel it until shortly before trial after a great deal of litigation had already taken place. The appeals court found the company did not raise arbitration as an affirmative defense in its answer and participated in the litigation for close to a year. In opposition to the company's motion, counsel for the plaintiff homeowners submitted a declaration listing more than 50 items considered to be significant litigation activities. The Court of Appeal noted nearly half of the items are discovery propounded by the Stone Paving Company. Suffice it to say, the court said, quote, the litigation machinery has been substantially invoked and the parties were well into preparation of a lawsuit before the defendant company notified the plaintiffs that it would seek to compel arbitration. The Second District Court of Appeal on August 12th reversed a ruling in favor of a group of restaurants accused of selling grilled meats containing a dangerous chemical without warning the public about potential cancer risks. The court found claims by Watchdog Group Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine are not preempted by federal law. The group alleged restaurants including McDonald's, TGI Fridays, Applebee's, Chick-fil-A, Chili's, Outback Steakhouse, and Burger King sold grilled chicken products and that the cooking process created a certain chemical. The group says the restaurants were required to warn consumers about the chemical under the state's Safe Drinking and Toxic Enforcement Act of 1986, or Proposition 65. A Superior Court judge found the warnings proposed were barred by federal conflict preemption. The warning, he said, would, quote, frustrate the USDA's longstanding policy of promoting consumer confidence in the wholesomeness of chicken consumed by them, as well as its longstanding policy of promoting the safe cooking of chicken, reversing 
The Second District Court of Appeal pointed out that the information about the level of the chemical in the defendant's grilled chicken was underdeveloped. The Ninth Circuit U.S. Court of Appeals in mid-August ruled 2-1 to one that an agreement by four Southern California supermarket chains to share profits during a strike is not immunized from antitrust review by the non-statutory labor exemption and violates the Sherman Act. The companies acted as a multi-employer bargaining unit for the purpose of negotiating a collective bargaining agreement with local unions. The chains entered into a mutual strike assistance agreement in which they agreed they would all lock out their union employees and in the event of a lockout or strike, any company that earned revenues above its historical share of the combined revenues of all four companies would redistribute 15% of those surplus revenues among the other chains, according to a fixed formula. California sued the four chains, alleging the profit-sharing agreement violated the Sherman Act. They argued the non-statutory labor exemption applied to exempt profit-sharing agreement from antitrust liability because it constituted an economic weapon used by the stores in their efforts to prevail in the labor dispute. The appeals court rejected the store's argument that the profit-sharing agreement was not anti-competitive because the profit-sharing was for a limited period of time, and the agreement did not include 100% of the participants in the market, saying that, quote, the anti-competitive effects might be reduced to some extent, but they certainly would not be eliminated. The majority then found that the anti-competitive effects of the profit-sharing agreement were not outweighed or neutralized by any plausible pro-competitive benefits. While staying mindful that summary judgment is, quote, generally disfavored in the trademark arena, the Ninth Circuit U.S. Court of Appeals in August remanded for trial trademark infringement allegations against Victoria's Secret. According to the appellate panel, the U.S. District Court for the Central District of California erred in dismissing, on fair use grounds, plaintiff Fortune Dynamics claims in a dispute over the delicious trademark, as used by Victoria's Secret on a tank top during a store giveaway. Fortune is a designer and seller of footwear for women and children and has used the delicious trademark in connection with its business since the late 1990s. In early 2007, Victoria's Secret launched the line of personal care products and as part of a promotion gave away tank tops with the word delicious across the front. Fortune filed suit and a trial court denied preliminary injunction. The court later granted a defense motion for summary judgment. According to the Ninth Circuit, the district court based its decision on findings that Fortune's claims were entirely barred by fair use. The circuit court said, we are far from certain that consumers were likely to be confused as to the source of the Victoria's Secret pink tank top, but we are confident that the question is close enough that it should be answered as a matter of fact by a jury, not as a matter of law by a court. For LexisNexis Legal News, I'm Lori Saren. Finding that a video game publisher provided adequate evidence of damages from the operation of a web server that allowed unauthorized play of the popular World of Warcraft game, a California federal judge has awarded the company more than $88 million in disgorgement, statutory damages, and attorney fees. Instead of awarding Blizzard Entertainment the $20 million it sought in statutory damages, Central District of California Judge Stephen Wilson found that a statutory award of $85 million was more in line with the mandates of the Digital Millennium Copyright Act. 
In October, Blizzard sued a Savannah, Georgia resident, claiming her operation of the website scapegaming.com allowed third parties to play World of Warcraft without logging onto Blizzard's own servers. Blizzard said the woman's server allowed game players to circumvent its copyright protection technology and to breach their contracts with Blizzard. Judge Wilson found that per the Copyright Act's guidelines, Blizzard provided sufficient evidence of gross revenues that the woman enjoyed from her infringing server. Blizzard argued that statutory damages should be based on the number of PayPal transactions. Judge Wilson disagreed, saying the transactions themselves were not acts of circumvention or performances of services defined by the Act. Instead, the judge found that the statutory damages award was more accurately based on the number of community users, finding it reasonable to infer that the woman provided each of her users with anti-circumvention products or services on at least one occasion. Because Google is a provider of an interactive computer service, a California federal judge August 13th ruled that the Internet giant was not liable for defamation for a negative posting by one of its users under the Communications Decency Act. Northern District of California Judge Claudia Wilkin found Gary and Holly Black's arguments that Google should be held liable for the anonymous negative review of their businesses to be unavailing. Because the act provides Google with immunity for its users' postings, the judge granted Google's motion to dismiss, while denying the Black's motion for judgment on the pleadings as moot. The Blacks own a business that received a negative review on Google's courtesy advertising section. The couple sued Google, claiming, among other things, breach of contract, unfair business practices, false advertising, negligence, and misrepresentation. They faulted Google for allowing anyone to post business reviews anonymously without any verification of customers' claims, often using the method as a means to seek revenge against businesses and professionals. They also claimed that Google ignored their demands to remove the review from its site. Judge Wilkins said because the review to which the blacks objected was not written by Google, the company was clearly immune under the Communications Decency Act. The First District Court of Appeal found substantial evidence supports a lower court's finding that sexual molestation by a Roman Catholic priest occurred during a 1979 insurance policy period. The appellate court in August affirmed the lower court's $3 million judgment against American National Fire Insurance Company for breach of contract and bad faith, modifying the judgment to award claimants more than $1.4 million in prejudgment interest. Two brothers sued Father Oliver O'Grady for damages stemming from sexual molestation and the Roman Catholic Bishop of Stockton for negligent retention or supervision of the priest in the diocese. The bishop sought coverage for the underlying lawsuit from American National Fire Insurance Company, which denied any duty to defend or indemnify. A federal judge August 26th dismissed the Second Amended Consolidated Shareholder Derivative complaint against the Board of Directors of technology company Verifone Holdings. The lawsuit alleged Verifone officials breached their fiduciary duties by issuing a series of false and misleading statements regarding the company's financial condition and potential financial growth, which led Verifone stock to trade at an artificially high rate. According to the complaint, a Verifone supply chain controller made a series of manual adjustments that caused certain accounting errors, which then affected Verifone's reported costs and net revenues. The Northern District of California found no allegation of facts suggesting knowledge of potential accounting irregularities. A federal judge in August ordered San Francisco-based banking giant Wells Fargo to pay $203 million in restitution based on claims the company manipulated transactions in an effort to maximize overdraft fees charged to customers.
Following a bench trial, a Northern District of California judge found that Wells Fargo violated California's unfair competition law. A group of customers filed a class action lawsuit against the bank alleging Wells Fargo manipulated its processing of customer debit card purchases so as to maximize overdraft fees. The plaintiffs alleged that instead of posting each transaction chronologically, the company deducted the largest charges first so as to draw down available balances more rapidly and as a result trigger a higher volume of overdraft fees. The court said the bank's dominant, indeed sole, motive was to maximize the number of overdrafts and squeeze as much as possible out of customers who exceeded the balance in their account. The court rejected Wells Fargo's argument that customers prefer having their large purchases paid first. Wells Fargo said that it would appeal. A California law firm in mid-August filed a class action lawsuit in federal court accusing Walmart stores of defrauding consumers through sales of annual memberships to the retail chain's Sam's Club stores. The law offices of J. John O. claims that Walmart defrauds consumers who wait to renew their Sam's Club annual membership until after the membership expires. The retailers accused of defrauding consumers by unilaterally backdating the start of a consumer's annual Sam's Club membership to the day immediately after the expiration of the old membership rather than the day on which he or she chooses to renew the membership. As a result of the defendant's alleged deceptive, fraudulent, and improper actions, the plaintiff claims consumers are deprived of the benefit of their bargain in the form of a full 12-month membership. Visit the LexisNexis store for all your legal book and software needs. The store offers thousands of titles to help you in the practice of law and in managing the business of your legal practice. You can reach our e-commerce site by clicking on the Store tab at the top of the LexisNexis homepage or by going to LexisNexis.com store. If you'd like more information on these and other California cases, visit LexisNexis.com slash Mealy's, M-E-A-L-E-Y-S. The LexisNexis Legal News California podcast is written by the editors of LexisNexis Mealy's, current and targeted legal news and litigation reports. The LexisNexis California Legal News podcast, copyright 2010, by LexisNexis, a division of Reed Elsevier Incorporated. LexisNexis, total practice solutions. I'm Steve Bursler. Thank you for listening.